Hey there. On today's podcast, I got a special guest, Gene Pranger. He's the mastermind behind the Do Something Wonderful Protocol. We're going to dive deep into a conversation all about the incredible powers of kindness. It's how it can truly transform our lives and our communities. Gene's got some amazing insight and personal stories that touch your heart, inspires you to see the world for more compassion and empathy. So get comfortable because we're about to embark on this awesome discussion and journey together. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey there. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. And together, we'll walk on our exciting journey of discovery together. <laughs> I just wanted to talk like that. We're going to delve deep into passing topics like parenting, mental health, navigating the uncertainties that life throws at us every day, which it always does. Whether you're a seasoned listener or new to the show, I want to extend a warm welcome. Your presence here, especially during the busy times of the year, is truly appreciated. And you're valued. You're valuable. You're valuable here. You're valuable everywhere. You're valued. If you find some value in this podcast and it resonates with you, I'd be mercifully grateful if you could do me a small favor. Share with a friend. Your support and word of mouth means the world to me and helps spread the message of this podcast to a wider audience. Together, we can inspire and up with others meaningful conversation and insights. So thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and many more to come. I'm really excited to have my guest, Gene Pranger, the genius behind the Do Something Wonderful Protocol. Before we go any further in this recording, this episode is actually it was recorded back in May with Gene, and his book came out in June of 2023. I know I'm a little behind, but this message fits all year round. More so around the holidays right now when it's this recording. Gene's here to share his journey and amazing impact in his kindness centered approach. We dig into how small acts can bring about major change in our lives and communities. Get ready for an inspiring chat. Well, that surely leave you motivated to make a positive difference. Welcome to the podcast, Gene. Hey, thanks. It's wonderful to be with you today. One thing I find interesting, I, I really like to like do something wonderful protocol. What is something wonderful you did today for somebody else. I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> well, that's, that's a really good observation. I, you know, after going through the protocol, let me just kind of repeat for people that are listening, what the protocol is. And then I'll talk about exactly what I did today is that the whole concept behind it is focusing on do four to five things positive for somebody else during the course of the week or something else is positive. It could be for the environment. It doesn't have to be for a person necessarily. And then focus on yourself once or twice each day. So one of the things I ended up doing, and typically I, when I go through a day, I'll probably do today, after going through this protocol, I'll probably do two or three things that are are net-net positive for somebody, typically, on average. Today, we went out to lunch, and one of the things that happened was is that we ordered sweet potato fries, <laughs> which is kind of a healthy, unhealthy way to eat sweet potatoes. <laughs> but we ate them anyway. And it's kind of a special treat that we have just on occasion. And uh, when they first came out, they were dark brown, oily drenched. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this really doesn't look right. 
So I took it back to the restaurant, went to the, the cashier, and I said, I think something's wrong. I think these were overcooked. And she looked at me and said, yes, they are overcooked. And they ended up doing something different for us. After they brought it out, they were delicious and they were wonderful. But I made a point to go back to the cashier that listened to me about this particular issue. And I, th- I, told, I told her, I thank you for listening to what we were talking about this particular issue. And it really made a difference to us today to have something that was uh, wonderful. You just did an excellent job of listening to what our requirements were, but at the same time, being really service and customer minded. And that type of reinforcement, even though we put up what I guess would be considered a complaint, I didn't think it was a complaint at the time, but that type of feedback to people is so meaningful. And here's the key, I think, about this protocol that I've learned through this process is that everybody wants to be acknowledged and validated, absolutely every last person, irregardless if they make uh, eye contact with you or they pretend to ignore you. You can bet on that the people behind, not just the, at the cash register, but behind the counter actually cooking are all kind of in the know of what's happening. And every last one of them wants to be acknowledged and validated, not just in a restaurant, but as we're walking along in the park or in a store or whatever it might be. So that is the, the gist of the protocol. And that's something positive I did today. <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting, too. You mentioned that everybody wants to be knowledge and stuff like that. And going to the grocery store, I can give my example, I, I think, is I go to the grocery store. Even though I know the bagger is putting one item in each bag, I always say thank you to him to make sure I thank him. Cause, and it gets a little, you know, they don't, they don't people thank me, but they're thanking me. And I, and I think that's, that shows appreciation for their job. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely And, and good for you for doing that. You know, the, the issue here is, is that when that person goes home, they'll have a kind of a special memory. Mm-hmm. Let me talk about one example that I think that was memorable to me. I ended up going to a sushi restaurant that's not far from here. It's the number one sushi restaurant in Utah. It's called Tapas, uh, Mint Tapas and Sushi. Not that I'm advertising for them at all, but if anybody's <laughs> from Utah, they can drop by. And a person by the name of Oscar was waiting on our table that night. And, I, and when we got through to our leftovers, I just had a small amount. And I told Oscar, I said, is it possible to get the smallest doggy bag that you possibly can? And so he brought out a um, little soy sauce cup with a plastic. (laughs) And I thought it was so absolutely hilarious that I took a picture of him and I had this drawing made of him actually bringing out this, uh, this soy sauce cup for my leftovers. And believe it or not, the soy sauce cup was perfectly sized for the amount of leftovers that I had. I ended up taking this picture, got the illustration done. And the next night, I ended up framing it with an inscription and telling them how much that meant to us in terms of making a funny moment for us and serving us so well. And I signed my name to it. I went back that evening to drop off this picture, this framed picture, to Oscar. Unfortunately, he wasn't working that night. And so I just left it with the, 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 the cashier that was at the restaurant and, and, and hopefully he would get it at some point. Well, to find out later, I went to the same restaurant two months later as a business meeting with two colleagues and Oscar was working that night. And I said, Oscar, so did you get my gift uh, of the picture? And he said, that was you? You did that for me? <laughs> 
And I said, yes. And I said, what did you think of it? And he said, I thought it was absolutely great. In fact, I liked it so much that I hung it up above, above my dresser and I look at it almost every single night before I go to bed. And I want to say thank you. That really made a big difference. As soon as I, as soon as you dropped it off, they called me. I rushed over to the restaurant right after work because he was working in a different restaurant that evening to pick it up. And I was just amazed. Everybody was amazed. And so it was, it was just a fun experience. Now, the flip side of that, I didn't ex- expect any type of reciprocation, but it was fun to relive his moment of joy and kind of hear his whole experience. But my other two business associates also heard this story and they're wondering, what in the world are you up to? <laughs> what in the world is going on? And to top it off, he ended up bringing a dessert for the table. So we got a free dessert out of it. <laughs> Not that that was the intent. But it just shows you those small acts of kindness, whether there's simple things that we say or things that we can do that will make a meaningful difference in a person's life. And it's true. It's true. Especially when people are sick and stuff like that. And when they're also like, you know, bring over food or calm up to see they're okay. Those things go a long way. Definitely. Definitely. Today, I had a former colleague that was going through back surgery. And so I texted him this morning and and asked him how he was doing if he was if he was recovering quickly those those small indications in a person's lives makes a big difference now some people may be asking is it sustainable to do this on an everyday basis and the answer is definitely yes here is the reason why you want to do it four to five times during the course of the week is on balance, most of us don't have a giving-orientated mindset, especially if we're in jobs, we're head down, we have families, we're head down in, in our family situation, and we're not constantly thinking about our how to give to other people. The females are kind of wired this way, but for the male audience, it's that we're not really wired that way to a great extent. And so, the key of, of relearning and kind of regenerating our minds, the prefrontal cortex of our, of our brain in a such a way that we can connect with people in a meaningful and uplifting way creates this kind of giving mindset. But with that comes another thing that needs to balance off this giving mindset. And that is making sure that we're taking care of ourselves at the same time. And making sure that we're doing one or two activities for ourselves during the course of that uh, experiment. If you're just purely giving of yourself at the job or in your family or what I'm asking to do in this do something wonderful protocol, eventually you're going to be asking the question is, what about me? Where do I fit into this picture? Right. And so you are just as important as any do something wonderful recipient, just as important as anybody else in the equation. And so by doing something wonderful yourself helps to rebalance, to make sure that you're taking care of your basic requirements. Now, the question comes up, so what types of things should you be doing? And it really doesn't make any difference. It could be a walk. It could be a bike ride. It could be whatever you choose to do is about going to a movie, going out with a friend. You get to choose what you want to do, but it's a pre-planned type of activity. Here's another interesting thought that I think that people should take into consideration is that we all have anywhere from 16 to 80,000 thoughts that go through our brain every single day. About 80% of those thoughts are negative in nature. 
And 95% of the thoughts that we have during the course of the next day will be a repeat of the thoughts that we had previous on the previous <laughs> day. And so we're constantly reliving many of these negative thought processes that, processes that we have. And our negative thoughts can literally trump our positive thoughts. So how do we tamp down these negative thoughts? Well, if we concentrate on ourselves and doing these positive experiences for ourselves and then also positive experiences for others, it helps us to relive these memories that we're having, these joyous experiences, and it helps to kind of tamp down these negative thought processes that we might have. And so if anybody's dealing with negative self-talk or just isolation, or they're dealing with this uh, perspective, I wonder of confidence-related issues. I wonder if I'm good enough. Well, if you go through this protocol, it will all change the dynamics. It will improve your confidence. It will improve the amount of negative self-talk in terms of lessening its impact on you by giving you these very memorable experiences that you'll have through practicing this protocol. Well, it's interesting, too. I'm, I'm, I'm really one curious now. Where did this protocol start? How did you get the idea and, and how to start this protocol? Yeah, that's a very good question. It, it comes from a really sad place, unfortunately. My father was at home one Saturday morning working on a bid for a carpet installation that he was doing for another larger company. And the day before I talked to him, he seemed to be fine. But on Saturday morning, he left a message on my voicemail indicating that, uh, well, thank you. It was, I love you. And I, I, I hope to be with you at some point in the future. It sounded like a final goodbye. It didn't sound like something that was normal in a normal conversation. When I got home, I was out with my family at the time when I got home and picked up the voicemail message, I was immediately concerned. And so I was living in Minneapolis. He was living in Portland, Oregon at the time. And so I picked up the phone and tried calling him, and I called him again, I called him again, and after 50 times, the call never went through. I then called uh, the local police department, the, the little city that he was living in, and they did a welfare check. After looking through all the windows, they found him on the bed, slumped over, and they crashed in the door with me on the phone listening to this whole process. They were able to get to him to see if he was still breathing did call the ambulance service to resuscitate, pump his stomach. He has taken a bottle full of sleeping pills. He had given up and he didn't want to do. He found himself in this very frustrated, isolated situation and he just didn't want to go on. There was a lot of other circumstances that built into this in terms of losing a business and things of that nature. And so when I when he he was taken to the state mental hospital after he recovered physically, but now he had to go through his mental challenge. And I was thinking at the time, how in the world did we get here? How I mean, I just couldn't understand. The day before he seemed fine, and then all of a sudden he just kind of fell into this black hole. And so I ended up thinking about this process. And as he recovered, he never quite gained his full creativity and his presence that he had, his joy of life. Uh, he was a very creative thinker. And so 10 years went by going in and out of these manic depressive episodes, and then he finally passed away. I was thinking about this process the entire time. And then I found myself kind of going through the same type of issues. 
in terms of these negative thoughts that were overwhelming me. And it was kind of putting me in a darker spot. And so that's when I started putting this protocol about 10 years ago together. And I've been fine tuning it and creating little twists on it in just a way that makes sense. And so that's how basically the whole protocol came about. Now people are doing it. I do it, obviously. And it's been so beneficial uh, in my life and other people's lives as well. Well, one thing interesting you said is about isolation and how, I mean, this sounds like could help somebody who feels isolated, especially coming out of the pandemic. Everybody's feels like they were stuck at home, isolation, not meeting people and losing those meaning, meaningful connections. You're absolutely right. I think that the one of the tremendous downsides associated with the pandemic is twofold. One is that we were asked to self-contain uh, ourselves in an environment without human exposure or just with our immediate or whoever we wanted to bunk up with. Uh, and the other issue is, issue is work from home type of policies um, that are even prevalent in today's environment. Both of these issues have pros and cons to them, right? As mm -hmm. that you can save money, you can be, maybe you can be more efficient, but we're using, losing one key dynamic. And that is what I would say is the ability to communicate physically with people and to feel of their presence in our lives. We are social animals by nature and we require other people for joy and happiness primarily. Um, there might be a few exceptions of people, but people find more joy being around other people and engaging in some form of social connection. And so we're in the situation where we're working our way out of that process. We're deep, we were deep into the weeds. We're kind of getting out of the weeds, but we still have a ways to go. And so for the people that are dealing with isolation and loneliness, and I know that there's 85% of the people that I'm, that I'm listening or that's listening to this podcast today had felt this periodic loneliness over the past year. 95% of the people have had periodic um, issues with confidence uh, in their lives. If you want to break free of both of those elements, then we have to concentrate on human connections as well as giving ourselves to other people in a meaningful and, I want to say, compelling way. It doesn't have to be compelling, but it has to be meaningful to us of how we engage with other people. Well, it's interesting. Implementing the protocol, is anybody, any challenges or act like things that might come about that people may face trying to implement it? Oh, well, definitely. And we deal with this in the book that I published as Do Something Wonderful Protocol that it will be available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and the rest. The, the issues are you will have some barriers that you're going to be facing faced with. One, you may just forget. And I tell people when they forget something, not a big deal, just move on to the next day. <laughs> it's, it's commonly thought that it takes 21 days. We hear this thought, 21 days to form a habit. And there's nothing could be further from the truth. And so this is a 100-day challenge that we give to people. Because it will take around 60 to 80 days for this to become ingrained in your normal behavior as you kind of move through your daily experience. The rest of the days that we go through the 100 days, if you learn it early, <laughs> it's just merely polishing, right? But you have to learn it and you have to be practicing it. And then the other rest of the time is merely polishing. Once you get to that 100 days, it's going to be so ingrained into your lifestyle that it'll become a natural part of what you end up doing. And so 
don't worry about missing a day. That's a commonly thought. Here's another thought that uh, I think is interesting. It's someone that just raised this just really recently is that someone told me is that, you know, I'm doing this protocol, but I just can't stop counting. This young lady has a new boyfriend mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, she's focusing on just the boyfriend and she's counting. How many nice things do I do for him? And in return, what do I get back from him? So, and, and she's sorely disappointed and is causing some mental anguish for him that is so far out of balance. What I tell people is that everybody's on their own journey and what might be good for you at this particular time, he may choose not to do anything with it. And obviously he has chosen not to, but that's okay because it doesn't, when we concentrate just on one person, this begins to kind of lose the impact that we're looking for is that we tend to need to focus on a broad range of different types of activities uh, from when we wake up to we go to bed and all the people that we engage with. And so we shouldn't be focused on one person. And so as I said previously, it doesn't have to be human-based that we focus on during the course of the day. It may be simply picking up garbage as we're walking, taking a walk. Uh, it may be taking care of a neighbor's pet as we go through and take them out for a walk or our own pet for that matter. It may be doing something wonderful for ourselves by taking, going to the park and you see the swing set that's meant for a four or five year old, but you feel compelled to say, I wonder what that would feel like as a 62 year old. <laughs> <laughs> so you hop on the swing and you do something wonderful for yourself. Right. And so, so the issue of counting definitely needs to go away in a person's mind. The other thing I think that is really troubling, and I hear this occasionally sometimes, people want to engage in social media in such a way that they want to post things that promote themselves in a way of how wonderful they are because of what they end up doing for somebody or something else. And I want to caution people on that. This exercise is not about self-publicity. This exercise is about self-change and enhancing the person that you are. And so I warn people is that it's fine to post things, but you shouldn't be putting it in words or verbiage. Look what I did today. What Look what I accomplished. I wish everybody else could do something that I've done <laughs> and how I did it. It's just, it just it defeats the whole purpose of the exercise, if that makes sense. And so there are some traps that you can get into in terms of the process, but they're all addressable. Was one thing I was interested in too is why do you think that people forget about taking care of themselves when I mean, they're always taking care of other people? Oh, that's that's a really good question. It it is very easy to fall into that trap, and it's just the busyness of life that we that we're dealing with. You have a very busy job, I'm sure, and we also have other responsibilities just in our household in terms of cleaning, cleaning, and cooking, and getting gas in the car and all the other activities that we have to participate during the course of the day. Then we, if you have families, you have your wife and children, they all have requirements as well. And you have your own personal requirements in terms of just living your life. So we get very busy doing kind of what we end up doing. And so it just becomes something that we put off to the side. And so planning these activities is really critical, important. And it's something that people can look forward to. For example, one of the things that I end up doing is I made the decision that I go on a hike pretty frequently, mm-hmm. but I want to try a new trail once a week on average. And so that was my goal for six weeks last summer. And 
And so I would go out and, and select the hike that I went on and I would mark it on my list. And I would think about it during the course of the week, thinking about what I needed to do to prepare for it. I was thinking about what's the weather going to be like? Am I capable of getting through that long of a hike or that trail if that was necessary because of the elevation or whatever it might be? And so it becomes something that becomes exciting for you. It becomes an external thought process. And so that becomes a very meaningful thing that people can look forward to. And I would really encourage people. Now, there's a flip side to this, and and that is that there is a, a group of people, not probably a large group of people, that are constantly thinking, I will find happiness by constantly doing things for myself. So I will go on a, a trip. Uh, to on a cruise or whatever it might be, I will get my nails done. I will get my hair done. I will get my massage. I will go to the spa. I will go to the movie. And all of this will make me happy. And there's no doubt you'll end up perhaps being more relaxed, more joy. But the real happiness doesn't come from doing things just for yourself. That's Mm -hmm. the break we get. Really, the true happiness comes from giving ourselves and creating this giving mindset by focusing on other people. That's where the real joy comes from. I remember sitting at a dinner at with some family members, and it was about 16 people in total. So it's a fairly large group of people. And they're all relatives. They were not my immediate family. And someone brought up how difficult life was and how challenging it was. And I said, yeah, not for me. You know, I'm not bragging at all by saying this. It's not for me. Actually, joy, life is right, quite joyful for me. And everybody immediately stared at me with this almost penetrating stare and a level of unhappiness and vile thoughts were coming out of the eyes <laughs> towards me. And so I just said, we had some cookies on the table. Would anybody like another cookie <laughs> to try to temper their feelings at that particular time? But it just shows that I think it's really important that giving, thinking only of yourself by just concentrating constantly doing something for yourself is a recipe for disaster as well. And so this balancing act of giving yourself to others and then focusing on yourself once or twice a week seems to be a good balance. It's interesting too. I never thought of that way because some people overdo it themselves and, and indulge in their own own things and stuff like that. Exactly. The one, thing, the one thing I really was curious about is happiness by states. I live in New Hampshire and I'm, I'm happy. I live in New Hampshire. I'm an hour away from the mountains and it's pretty nice weather. We deal with the four seasons, but I'm happy. What is the happiness by states? Can you help? We talk a little about that. I find that interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. What I did was is, and this is all proprietary information that I'm going to get ready to publish something on probably in an editorial or piece in a newspaper somewhere. There is the happiness index is published every year and it lists all the happy, happiest states in the states. And there's also one that does it for the world. And then there is a economic opportunity score that people that's published each year. What I did is I created an index between the happiness and the economic opportunity to find out what are the happiest states and is there a correlation between happiness and economic opportunity? And what is the joint index between those two scores? And it just so happens New Hampshire, you'll be happy to know, (laughs) uh, is rated number five out of all the states in the United States as being what I would say the happiest and most economic opportunity state in the country. And Massachusetts that you work in is one ahead of New Hampshire, not by much, but just one step, one, a couple percentage points ahead. And so congratulations. You seem like a very happy person. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the flip side of that, the concern I have and the reason why I did the study is I was very, very concerned about some of the states that ended up being on the lower end of the spectrum. So while your state ends up being at 128 uh, index, there's another state at the low end, which is 61.4. And so it means that West Virginia, that mm-hmm. scores 61.4, is 50% of the happiness level and economic opportunity that New Hampshire's at. Now take that in for a moment. And it really it becomes a reality of what is going on in West Virginia uh, versus what is going on in New Hampshire. And it should give us a lot of concern for the health and well-being and the mental safety of the people in West Virginia. Something I think about quite a lot. In fact, one of the trips I'm taking this summer is a week tour of the state of West Virginia to get a flavor of the people. And I've been there many years ago, but it has been quite some time. But get a, get a feel for the flavor of the people and exactly what they're going through. It's probably a tremendous challenge. I, I can only imagine. Economic opportunities. Does that mean like job opportunities? Job opportunities, quality of pay, quality of health care. It covers a wide range of different dynamics uh, that people enjoy. And so it's, it's all of these things feed into it. But if you look at happiness um, studies throughout the world, the states, um, the Scandinavian countries always score high in this particular dimension. And the reason why is that they typically have a financial stability among their population and in the country itself, as well as good healthcare systems that are in place for people. And they have the ability to have freedom and freedom to move wherever they choose to. And those qualities seem to be a universal trend that are applicable to us in the States as well. Interesting. Interesting too. One other question is about your, your book is up, um, coming out in June. You can talk a little more about that. Yeah, I'm excited about this book that's coming out. I, to me, it's a game changer and it has ability to change people's lives in a positive way. And while it was started out in a place of pain, it's ending up in a place of just uh, glorious happiness for me because I get to talk about something I'm passionate about and feel like I can make a difference in a person's life. And so inside the book, um, I talk about all the issues surrounding and the development of the, pro- of the protocol and what the protocol is, all the pros and all the cons associated with it. And within it, we also have 1,001 things you can do for others, although it's 681 ideas that are free, and then some that may cost some money if you choose to do that. So it doesn't. Ha- this journey doesn't have to cost any money unless you want to spend money on something. And so and then it also has about 140 different illustrations in the book that I contracted with a an employee that now works for me to create these illustrations to help tell the story visually as well. Sounds like an interesting book, and I'm looking forward to looking at it once it comes out. Where can they find it once, it, once it's been published? Barnes & Noble or Amazon. It'll be available on Amazon digitally as well and independent bookstores. And so I would just go out and ask for it in June as the official launch day is June 13th. Ask about it. And worst comes to worst, always go to Amazon because you'll be able to find there. You find most things in Amazon, actually. You find a lot yeah. of good things in Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping up, final thoughts. Anything you want to leave about the do something wonderful protocol or just helping another person and just saying thank you? Well, I one, I should say thank you to you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's such a privilege to be associated with um, people that are interested in this topic. 
And I think there's probably a lot of people that are listening today and they're thinking to themselves, I wonder if this will work for me. And the answer is definitely yes. It will make a huge difference. And I hope you can join us on this journey um, because it will make not only a difference in your life, but in the lives of the so many people that you'll end up touching. So thank you to everyone. Thank you for being on the podcast. Also, where can they connect to you? Can um, they find out like more about you? We have a website or anything you want to leave? You can go to do something wonderful.com. And then we'll also have a Facebook page at do something wonderful dot, um, do something wonderful as well. Oh, <laughs> Gene, all links will be in the show notes for this episode. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being on tonight. Thank you very much. Hey there. Wrapping up this episode, I want to give out a big shout out to Gene Pranger for joining me today and sharing his incredible journey and insight to the do something wonderful protocol. His dedication to spreading kindness and positivity is truly inspiring. If you're curious to learn more about Gene and his impactful work, you can find the details and information resources in the show notes at no sitting on the sideline.com slash one three six. Make sure you got that. <laughs> I encourage you to get involved, engage the podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, just want to say hello. I like hearing hellos about today's episode. Feel free to leave them in the show notes section, your feedback and your curiosity, what keeps this podcast growing and evolving. If you want more about more information or want to get in touch directly, you can find all my contact information at no city on the sideline.com slash contact. Before we go, I want to express my appreciation to you for tuning in and being a part of the podcast. Your support and enthusiasm, what makes this journey wonderful. Until next time, take a moment, cherish your loved ones, and give your kids a big hug. And let them know how much they mean to you. And share a moment of love and laughter. Because you know laughter is kind of like the best medicine. Small acts truly make a difference. God bless. Take care. I can't wait for the next episode. See you soon. <laughs>